Welcome to Transition of Style, the podcast that explores the ways in which personal style and gender identity meet with host Phil, a.k.a. Curran. Transition of Style is produced by Fashion Consort with music provided by Sarah FM and is sponsored by QueerCut, a radically inclusive shopping platform and queer community. Good day, my friends. It is Phil. What's going on? TOS Check-In, for those of you who don't know, is our alternative format where we talk about checking in with members of the queer community, just seeing how they're faring during this pandemic, how they sing sane, what are they thinking. We're just checking in with folks. So today we are checking in with a friend of mine, Dara Dandurand. Dara, what's going on? Hey, how are you? How are you doing, my friend? I am all right. First off, thank you. This is so cool to be on this and to be talking to you. And I really did enjoy the conversation that we had a few weeks ago. And also a little shout out to Joshua Williams because you guys are really great. And I just want to say that because this is a really cool project, all the education that you're both doing, the whole team is doing. I think it's important stuff and important content right now to be talking about, to keep the community together. Yes. Yes. So Dara, before we go into questions, can you please tell the TOS audience a little bit about you and what you do? A little bit about me. I am a creative director that works across media. So I have a background in fashion photography and music photography, but I work more and more these days in immersive content. And what that means is that it's virtual reality augmented reality encompassed by the term mixed reality. And I work with a lot of different agencies and creative studios, indie game studios, media outlets to talk about how best we can use mixed reality technology in order to tell the right stories and in the right ways. And it's a really exciting field to be in because it's very new. It is this emerging industry that I have a big smile on my face as I'm saying this. It's full of some of the best people I've ever met because everyone's really, really passionate jumping into it and it's still being fleshed out. So there are a lot of elements of that industry that feel in a way limitless except for time or resources or technology. There's so much passion and I love it. And I feel really, really grateful that I'm in it because in its current form, it's only like six, seven years old. So I do that work. I still work in the fashion industry as a director and a photographer, and I'm an independent journalist. I formerly covered music and live events for years, and then gradually I did breaking news and politics and social impact, and now I really cover the tech industry. I mean, it's incredible. When I think about what you've done at your young age, it's like you've done so much. Let's talk a little bit about like you right now in these times of quarantining. How are you staying sane? What are you doing right now to pass the time and keep your sanity intact? That is a great question. And I think many of us have gone through phases (laughs) in a quest to find that. I definitely had my Netflix and existential crisis phase for a little (laughs) while. I had my, am I going to be a good chef or a good alcoholic when I come out of this phase? What else? I'm trying to think of like the, the different, like teeny tiny little things. I've done a bunch of hiking. That was really amazing being able to have nature in my life uh, right now. I'm outside of Philadelphia right now, although I'm normally in New York. I left here to be with my mom. I'm in my childhood home, so I've been going through a lot of old files and a lot of things from my childhood that I've been meaning to for years, either purge and sort of file away or look back on lovingly or with embarrassment uh, or just give away to goodwill. 
And it's been very reflective. And I'm grateful to take that time to be able to do that. That was certainly a coping mechanism. And now I'm at the point where I sort of just nosedive straight into work again. Yeah, I hear you. And it's great that you can work during this time, which is really helpful for keeping yourself a little distracted from really what's happening uh, out there right now. Can I ask what you miss most about life before quarantining right now? Sure. I actually was on a little walk with my mom yesterday. It was really beautiful around sunset. And we had this conversation and from two very different perspectives. And I really appreciated it. The parts that we both uh, were in agreement on were really friends and family, just being able to visit people, something that I think most everyone took for granted, being able to just go and hug somebody or go celebrate somebody's birthday or see your grandmother. That we both really missed. A little bit more personal. I miss studio shoots. I miss going on set. I miss visiting with my clients and being able to travel. I am extremely grateful to be working right now. And I'm very, very grateful as well to be able to travel a lot for work. And all of that is kind of put on hold and for for the betterment of everything. But it's an adjustment, a sense of time. There is a beautiful sort of fluidity to this time in quarantine for me, even though I have some work hours and I've gotten onto a different schedule being out here in the countryside, but I miss having structure like I normally do, knowing when I'm in and out of my studio or my home with friends, with family. And I, I really, really miss just being able to like do a bar crawl and have wonderful, magical late night adventures in New York City and do all this stuff that you think that you could do, but we're not even sure if we can do again. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's well said. You know, what just jumped out of me is what you said about the fluidity, you know, the fluidity of this time, the lack of structure that we all have and having to either put our own structure in place or just accept the fact that this is kind of where we are right now and there won't be structure. I think plenty of people are struggling with that and that makes perfect sense. Uh, And it can be a bit of a gift and it can also be a bit of a curse, right? So Mm -hmm. I can totally respect the people that are like living through that right now. But, you know, I want to go back into your career because when you and I spoke initially, we had a wonderful conversation a couple of weeks ago. I was really struck by how many things you've done in your career, like photographer, uh, creative director, journalists, working with mixed media, with augmented reality and virtual reality, all of these wonderful things that you have seen to open yourself up to. There's some people really questioning their lives right now. They're really sitting in there thinking about where they're headed. This pandemic has really caused a lot of questions to be asked. And I think there are a lot of people sitting at home right now asking themselves a lot of questions and really trying to figure out where they're going to take their lives. This is really, really shaking a lot of us up in a very incredible way and in a way that maybe was necessary. And I think that what I love when I spoke to you is that I, I found that you had this ability to allow yourself to follow your interests and let your life unfold, your career unfold in this really incredible way. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Can you just talk about your trajectory a little bit and how one thing led to the next and to the next and how you allowed yourself to discover them? Thank you so much for describing my career path that way. Um, Absolutely. Now's where I go back to that joke about you shopping around your PR and marketing skills to everyone you meet. (laughs) 
That was wonderful. No, really, thank you. Uh, it's been an interesting winding road. When people ask about my career or they figure out that I do several things, and many times people in my life will meet each other, say like an industry event or at some you know, party, something like that. And one person will think that I do one thing and another person will think I do another thing and they get very confused and they start trying to figure it out without just turning to me and asking, going, oh, she must've done that in the past or, oh, you know, maybe I was wrong about this. And people meet me wearing different hats. And I think that's a very normal thing in New York, creative industry, but I normally have to step in and give context. And after that, I get one of two responses. One is, oh, that's really cool. Interesting to see you blending your background to do the work you do now. Or it sounds like you're a bit all over the place, which I hate, but I realize it's because people don't see the narrative of my life. I'm a person, you're a person, we're all people. We have different interests. People evolve. People have really uh, diverse skill sets and they have interesting ways of looking at the world because they have experiences they lean on. And I wish we would remember that when we see people that seem to have an unconventional background. I think it enriches a team and can enrich perspective. So to go into specifics, I thought I wanted to stay in the film industry, which is where I started. Both my parents are in entertainment and I followed in their footsteps against their will. It just looked like so much fun. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. So I originally studied film in school, and then I had this realization uh, pretty early into my studies that I could either continue on the path to getting a degree in filmmaking, or that I could get a different degree that would be more academic. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a tenured professor for a very long time. I would still very, very much like to teach, but I decided that I wanted to put more time in between that potential aspiration later in my life. All that being said, I dropped out of film school and decided to just freelance in the industry and work my butt off. That helped me pay for another degree that I got that was in communication philosophy. And I partnered that with a focus in public health. From there, I thought I wanted to focus in nonprofits. Between working in sort of community organizing for several years and film and learning to tell stories. And in this period, also picking up a journalistic skill set on the way, I really thought that I wanted to go into the public sector. And so I started pursuing that after deciding to put a hold on grad school right after uh, my undergrad. I went and I did it while at the same time still maintaining my work as a music journalist. And that kept me sane because I got to travel and I got to shoot music and it was all the grungy, gritty tour life that was a contrast to my suit and tie nine to five business days. And I loved it. I really, really loved the balance, but the bureaucracy of very large nonprofits and NGOs sort of got to me after a while. I understand why they're built that way, but I wanted more freedom and I missed the fast paced choices made in the film and media industry. And I miss wearing ripped jeans on a daily basis. <laughs> so important. <laughs> I missed it. You know, I, I missed uh, having a piece of myself that I sort of had to put away for a bit when I was, was living my office life, even though I was trying to balance the two. 
And then gradually I stopped doing as much music journalism because it was really hard to do the really late nights and then the really early mornings at the office. And I wound up getting into fashion photography, um, which I originally thought was, I, I have a massive grin on my face because I used to think that fashion and photography respectively uh, were really stupid industries. And I fully <laughs> acknowledge how wrong I am because I work in both of them professionally. Oh my goodness. And I adore them. I, for some reason I thought photography, th this is ignorant, arrogant days of my youth. I was like, photography is not real art. And, and fashion, because I've been doing uh, journalism and I've been reporting the facts, fashion is fabricated. It's not real. And here I am, you know, directing shoots, throwing myself into tool and studios and designer. But how did you get past feeling like that though? Well, first I'll, I'll go back to the journalism part. I love music, who doesn't? And I love the energy of live shows. My dream job, still kind of is my dream job, is to be a music video director. And I've, I've directed several music videos, but just industry-wide, there's very little budget to actually make them become real without also making them formulaic these days. The heyday was like the 90s. All that being said, <laughs> I really love music and it's infectious. It's an amazing industry. I've also never identified as a musician. So I was like, how can I get as close, but I don't want to be the person performing. And I realized that bands and marketers give journalists passes to shows. And I was like, oh, oh, you know, major connect the dot moment. This comes up later. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, I should just start reporting on music. And my father was an entertainment journalist. So I learned a lot about covering entertainment from him. By the way, my parents also are the same way. They were like 4,000 hats. So I'll keep referencing probably different ah, things they've done that it's starting impacted. to make a little sense. It's in my blood. I can't yeah. help it. <laughs> um, just two incredibly, incredibly talented people. I have a 10th of their talent. Uh, I'm fortunate in this lifetime. But yeah, I, I realized that if I got good at writing about music and then consequently shooting music, I was like, you know, killing two birds with one stone. And I started going to concerts four, five, six nights a week and reporting on them. It wasn't good enough for me just to like formally buy a ticket and stand the audience. And it was becoming less and less satisfactory for me to stand in the pit and shoot the show and then write about it from the press release and from my experience. I needed to be backstage. I need to be talking to the people that were making the choices, that were making the art, that were the ones, you know, showing off and playing incredible music. It's a bug that bit me then and has never left me. And to fast forward to today, I am grateful that I am a journalist because it allows me to reach out to the people I want to talk to, to understand the world. So say, for example, now working in the tech industry, as much as I am someone who's creating content and helping strategize content for other companies, being a journalist also allows me to stay on the pulse of that industry at all times because I can talk to the major decision makers at different aspects of sort of like the fringes of the industry, at the heart of it, people who are playing with really cool ideas. And then I get to take those and share that with the world. It's such a blessing to do that work. I'm so grateful yeah. uh, that I'm a journalist. So yeah. That that light bulb moment happened first with music, and then it clicked with fashion to sort of fast track back up to nonprofit life. I loved shooting. I, I loved photography. I couldn't do music as much just because of time. And someone I was seeing at the time uh, was a model and had said, hey, 
why don't you consider doing some some fashion photography? Just play around with it because you know, you're not picking up your camera as much. That's really important to you. Maybe you should consider it. They were very, you know, happily working as a model, mostly doing street style. And I totally supported their career, but it wasn't for me. And I was such a naysayer about doing it myself. I was like, oh, I cover the moment. I cover reality. Fashion's <laughs> not real. I laugh at it now. That's all I can do. Because I was so wrong. I was so totally judgmental. (laughs) I was so judgmental. Anyway, she wound up signing me up as a photographer. There was a brand she was working with, a Korean brand. They were based in Seoul. They wanted the New York City vibe. So they had hired a New York City photographer remotely. They were producing it from South Korea. My girlfriend then was a model for the shoot. And the photographer apparently dropped out. And she approached me and said, would you consider it? I was like, no, I don't have a fashion portfolio. I'm not a fashion photographer. Like what are, no. And so she came to me again and said, we're really down to the line, please. I sent them your portfolio. They like your gritty grungy vibe of like music photography. Plus you kind of shoot style because musicians wear clothing. She's really, really pushing me on this. I say no. And then I get a call sheet in my inbox on like a Tuesday. And I'm listed as a photographer. And she's oh my God. And she's like, welcome. And that was sort of it. <laughs> uh, and I shot it reluctantly. And as the shoot unfolded, we shot in actually New York City subway stations, which was really fun. They wanted like a very New York City grunge vibe. I'm so grateful in hindsight because of my relationship with her. It allowed me to feel comfortable uh, styling her in that moment, you know, needing to, to move her hair or her hat or her elbow. And that I think is a major skill set that if you want to be a fashion photographer, fashion director, you need to be comfortable touching people and you need to be able to read them when they're not comfortable with you touching them. Models are people too. <laughs> so that was that was a very important moment that I also had. And it brought so much love to my life that I was not getting in the day-to-day of my nine to five at the time. Mm-hmm. The nine to five, I was very, very proud of the work I was doing there is work that I I look back on fondly. I'm very excited by the team I was working with. My only hesitation is that it was a dream that I had for so long. And I realized in the moment that it was not the dream in real life that I thought it would be. Working for that organization, I was uh, at Girl Scouts USA for a few years, um, working in fundraising and doing a lot of travel and working with a lot of incredible donors that wanted to prioritize uh, girls' education and girls' rights. That was super incredible, soul-fulfilling work, but the bureaucracy was very hard to navigate and just kind of exhausting after a while. I miss the fast-paced decisions of media, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. You can't be nimble in, in those environments, right? Yeah. And it's a lot of effort to wake up in the morning and choose a suit that can rock a board meeting and like a very, very uh, formal luncheon for work. And then simultaneously be on like a rooftop set by 7 p.m. that night. Do you know how much effort it takes <laughs> to dress cool for both of those types of occasions? Wow. You're living a double life in, in many ways, right? <laughs> sounds like two lives you were living. You have to dress for the right occasion. You have to be able to be versatile. I totally agree with that. What do you think allowed you to go from one thing to the next like this? It's as if you chose these career paths based off of what you felt like you may not have been getting. So let's say, think about what happened at Girl Scouts. There were some parts of it that were 
feeding you, but there were parts of it that just weren't quite giving you what you needed. And so you got somewhere else. What do you think it is about you that allows you to follow these paths and open yourself to feeding yourself or giving yourself what you need? I can answer that by referencing now where I am. Because um, okay. I think that's that's an important part to catch up on the the trail of my winding career. After Girl Scouts, I was getting to a point where I was thinking about leaving the industry and just taking some time for myself. I'd planned for a few months of maybe some travel, maybe some like brief photography contracts. But I wound up immediately being asked by a friend to help him create a studio out in San Francisco, an immersive content studio where he was doing production on a VR, a virtual reality narrative title. I thought about it for a little bit. It seemed exciting. It was very new. It was a completely different pace from from the life I was living at the time. I was wanting a break from New York City. And I said, yes. And within two weeks of leaving Girl Scouts, I was I asked him to give me a two week breather and then I was on a plane to California and I went out and I visited the accelerator that he was in at the time. It was a 180. It had its own ups and downs, like all things in life, but it was an incredible opportunity and it forged sort of a promise to myself that I would be on the lookout in the future for when the happiness levels were waning, that I would jump into something and sort of jump into it pretty gung ho. And I've since left that project. I left it at the end of 2018. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. But I came back to New York City. I was kind of living bi-coastal at the time because I was also in 2018 and 2019 on the board of NYC Pride, the organizer for the Pride March and the Pride celebrations in New York City. So I was having to fly back for board meetings a lot having the ties between these two places, feeling like I was living that double life again, trying to understand a brand new industry and falling in love with it every day while still maintaining all these other obligations. It was such a cool challenge and it invigorated me. It brought life back to my life. (laughs) I needed it so badly. And it was infectious to remember that I have the agency and the will to do that kind of work. So I think that that sort of answers part of the question that you were just asking, which is that you need to be conscious and cognizant of if you don't know what makes you happy. I don't think a lot of people do. I think that we have to spend our lifetimes figuring out what makes us feel well and safe and loved and joyful and just content. That is a lifelong, ever-changing thing. And if you can't figure out what is making you happy in the moment, if it's not a concrete vision, figure out what doesn't make you happy? What doesn't make you sleep well at night? What makes you feel like you're not worthwhile and do everything in your power to address it and then change course? That is perfectly said. That's what I'm looking for, right? That's what I'm looking (laughs) for. Like I said, I do think this is a time of reflection for many people. Some people are doing it. Some people are not. People are doing whatever they need to do for themselves at this moment. But for those of us who are sitting with where life is headed for us. That is a very important thing to take into account. Where I am right now, do I find joy in it? Am I happy there? Yes. You know, you know, it is really sometimes a tall order to say, I love these things. These are the things that make me happy. But you know what? You're right. Start with, I know that this doesn't make me happy. I know these things that don't fill me, these things that make me feel like I want something more or that I'm looking for something deeper. Yeah. And you're reminding me of a conversation I had with a friend of mine last week. We were talking about just this, which was sort of looking at sadness or frustration 
as a quote unquote North star in your life. You know, don't make bad choices that lead to bad choices. More like if you have an unsettling feeling of not being credited or not being valued or just feeling like there's something that's not satisfying, try to break it down, like really look at it and recognize it as something that will help direct you toward your happiness if you do address it head on. And the thing that my friend brought up to me the other day was that he was describing his frustrations with his career, with his life. We all have them, but he was saying that he personifies it. And I loved this idea that he'll recognize his frustration or his sadness in the moment and go like, hey, how are you? You can, you can hang out for a little bit. That's fine. I understand you visited today, <laughs> but uh, I still have to be productive. You know, if you want to help me by giving me a different perspective on something, that's cool. You want to, you want me to take you on a walk and go outside? We can do that. But I still got to get work done. I still got to eat. I still got to sleep. I still got to, you know, shower and move forward. And I think that that's something very relevant to quarantine. 100%. I feel like what you're talking about there is this idea of being able to contain many different things. Mm-hmm. So I think that often when we have emotions that feel overwhelming, whether it's sadness or depression, or if it's something that we're grappling with, there's this idea that it takes up all the space and it's everything at that moment. And there's nothing else that can sit alongside it. But the truth of the matter is, is we're very multidimensional beings and that there's a lot that can be contained. And just because you have a little bit more of this today doesn't mean that there aren't other uh, parts of you that you can acknowledge. You know, you basically answered my last question to you, which was really based off of how great you've been with traversing your career. What I was going to ask, what would you say to someone about what they should do if they're questioning? And I think you basically answered it. If you can't pinpoint what you love, if you can't pinpoint what makes you happy, can you pinpoint what doesn't feel good or what doesn't feel right or what does make you feel like you're looking for something more. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is key. And right now at this time, we have some time to, to sit with that and visit with that and ask questions and let's do that if we can. Absolutely. You know, we are all going through this experience together, but in very different ways. And I recognize that there are a lot of people, particularly colleagues and peers of mine that work in the arts that have lost work, that cannot do their quote unquote life's mission if they've fallen in love with a medium or they started, I know several people whose companies and businesses have closed. This is a very trying time. Yes. For some people, we can sit with our, our dreams and our hopes for the future and be strategic. And other people just need to sit and mourn the loss of some of their dreams. And I think it's really important to be realistic about that. Industries will change after this, that people will have different forms of access to the resources that they need, or maybe some of those resources will no longer be available, or the way in which they did their work will have to drastically change. If someone who is possibly listening to this finds themselves in that kind of role, I think it's okay to take a little bit of space and revisit other dreams and other ideas and other projects and go, okay, if I can't have this now, or I can't have the thing I used to have, what are the other elements of myself that I can pull up from and sort of reimagine? I bring it up because I think that's a lot of my own career is saying, I'm interested in this and this and this. And maybe to someone that doesn't understand every one of those choices that I made because they weren't with me on that path. 
it might look like it's bouncing back and forth between things, but I've identified two things that I care about the most in the world. And that's building communities. Oftentimes my work is focused on women and it's media and telling stories. And if you can sort of chisel down the work you do into two core themes or two core missions or one, maybe three, you know, keep it minimal, it's going to help you realize that you have so many other paths that you can go down. I completely agree with that. And I want to reiterate what you said about wherever you are at this moment, if you are in a situation where it is just about surviving during this pandemic, surviving quarantine, surviving, being isolated, if that's where you are, that's where you are. And that's what you have to deal with. You know, that's what you have to take care of. But if you are in a situation where you have the privilege of sitting and asking these tough questions, then recognize that privilege. And if you can sit with it and ask those questions, I think what you said is absolutely right. You have given some practical steps for trying to get this process started. And this is why I really wanted to have this conversation with you. And I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate the way you approach life. And I think you have plenty to teach people. One of the things that you mentioned about how it could seem like looking at your trajectory that it was like bouncing around. I feel like we all get to write the stories of our lives and what might seem like bouncing around to one person may make perfect sense yeah. in terms of the, your North Star for a particular person. So it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. If you are a trader right now and on Wall Street and you decide now you want to go wait tables because you want to figure out how to get an acting career going, the story needs to get written by you and it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. This, no one's box has to fit around these parameters. So we have to get better at not following some narrative that makes sense to people and get better at figuring out where our North Star is and where the, the things that are driving our lives, where those things are leading. That's what I think. I couldn't agree with you more. As a closing point on that same note, something I just thought about while you were talking is that if this is a time where you can't be strategic about your career, I highly suggest that people try to do at least one thing a day, whether it's for professional or personal reasons that make you feel capable. It just, the thing makes you feel like you are capable. And it allows you to hold up your self-esteem. Yes. Oh, so yes. that by the time that the world does reopen, you can go tackle those dreams again. And I'm seeing this with a lot of my friends, a lot of artists in particular, who have had to put down their materials because they can't do their work. They don't have their studios, et cetera. They can't get the resources they need. And if they can do even the tiniest little thing every day to keep up some amount of effort or belief in themselves, it's just going to prepare us all for when the, the gates do reopen. I could not have said that better. We have to think that at some point we're not going to be sitting where we are now and there is going to be a point past this. And what do you want to bring into that future space? What can you take from this moment and bring into that future space? Dara, that is incredibly sad. Incredibly Thank sad. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure speaking to you. You are quite a person. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. I cannot wait to see where you take your life. Thank you so much. That is such a humbling compliment. And I'm overwhelmed in the best way right now. Thank you for this interview. Absolutely. Beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us today. I'm looking forward to having you on future episodes because I feel like there's more to talk about. <laughs> Thank you. Please stay safe. And, and likewise, may everyone in your life and you stay well. This is a very special conversation. Yeah. The last one left an impact and this one definitely did too. Indeed. Thank you. Thanks, Dara. Bye. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Transition of Style. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on our show page at transitionofstyle.com for more information and follow us to share in the conversation on Instagram at transitionofstyle. 